Thank you for joining us for this chapel message from the campus of Columbia International University in Columbia, South Carolina. Our mission at CIU is to educate people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Wow, well, it's absolutely great to be with you today, and uh, I celebrate who you are, and thank you so much for your presence here. Um, coming after somebody like Pastor Benny Tate, I, I feel like I'm driving behind an 18-wheeler that just let out an oil slick. Uh, my goodness, my goodness, what a blessing. I mean, he gave us enough that if we left home now, we'd be blessed. Honestly, I'm, I'm so grateful, so grateful, so grateful to God. I really am. I, I salute you just for your perseverance to sometimes get up. I meant yesterday when I had to get up to minister. I told my wife when we were still in the bed at home, I said, I'm not going to church today. <laughs> and I just want you to know that I realize that all of us have days like that. And, uh, and I said, well, give me three reasons why I should go. She said, number one, you're the pastor. <laughs> I said, enough said. We both got up and got ready and were there early. So I'm grateful, grateful, grateful to the Lord. But one scripture that I thought about as I lay there yesterday was a scripture that Job talked about in Job chapter 42. It was his concept, I think, of God. Job chapter 42 and verse 2, Job simply said these words, Concerning God, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. And that's a mouthful for somebody who had already been through hell and high water. For him to say before he got the blessing, God, I know that you can do anything. And no one can stop you. And I just want you to let that sink in whenever you feel as though you are faced with a challenge of something that is too big for you or above your pay grade or above your level of experience, your energy level, your people resource level, your financial resource level. He, he's saying in the valley. I mean, it's easy to say something like that when all of your accounts are running over and your relationships are wonderful and beautiful. But when you are in a setback, when you're in a valley experience, the mountains give us perspectives, but the valleys mature us. You really come to know God down in the valley. And Job is in a valley right here, and Job simply says, God, I know that you can do anything, and no one can stop you. And that just somehow invigorated my own personal faith to know that God can do anything, and nobody can stop him that empowered me 
get emboldened meeting. Sometimes you just need a word, just a scripture, just a verse. And it will give context to your life and reignite your faith in a brand new way. We live in a complex world. A little boy asked his dad as he was getting ready to reach those years where he would date. And he says to his father, Father, teach me about women. And his father simply said to him, Son, you will understand women as soon as you understand why a pizza is round but put in a square box and eaten in triangles. He says, when you understand that, then you will understand women. I am in my uh, 39th year of marriage, and uh, it is so wonderful. I, I, she's the only woman I've ever known in all of these years, and I have no regret. I have no regret, absolutely no regret. We were high school sweethearts. And now five children later and nine grandchildren, number 10 will be born in another couple of weeks. But can I tell you this that I have learned over the years? You earn respect with your ears and you lose it with your mouth. The real art of communication is not in our ability to speak, it is in our ability to listen. And so this is why the spirit would cry, let him, let her that hath an ear hear what the spirit is saying to the church. Because that's when real communication takes place your real ear is a singular ear that is actually located in the heart. Notice H-E-A-R-T. The ear is in the, in the heart. So when we say, God, speak to my heart, that's where the ear of the spirit is. It is in the heart of man, the heart of woman. So there we get it and we hear. But I want to just give you just a few nuggets today. We... Um, Pastor Benny gave us a, enough nuggets to just last us, the, I mean, the rest of the year. I mean, one for every month to think on. I, thank you for that. What a rich deposit. I celebrate that. I, I grow, I'm a lifelong learner. And I encourage you, be a learn-it-all, not a know-it-all. Because it'll help you in the long run. And, and uh, I'm, I'm still learning. I learn at every opportunity that I can get. But here's the first nugget that I dropped to you today. You cannot achieve what you have not defined. You cannot achieve what you have not defined. The power to define is the power to determine destiny. But you have no ability to be able to achieve what you have not defined. Setting a goal is a definition. This is what we're going to do. This is, this is how we're going to do it. You, you start creating some definitions. It's impossible 
to achieve something that you have not first defined. It's like with leadership. It is the first law of leadership. It's to define reality. When you come into an organization, how, what is the nature of this, this, this organization? What is the culture of the organization? Before you try to change the culture, learn the culture. Uh, find the definitions and, and, and then you can, you can work therewith. But the power to define is the power to determine destiny because you cannot achieve what you have not first taken the time just to be able to define. It, it is loose and general and the mind, the human brain cannot grasp the general. It can only grasp the specific. If you say, Lord, bless me with a car. If you don't have a particular make and, and model in mind, you won't recognize it when you see it. I mean, is it supposed to be used or, or brand new? Uh, it, you have to define that. And so when people are saying, Lord, send me a husband. And then when you find somebody who's missing teeth and doesn't have a degree that they finished. And they're having trouble holding on to a job. But it is a man. But if it's not well defined, you will not recognize them. If you ever have to go and pick somebody up at the airport that you've not met in person and someone has to give you a description of them, that's why God gives us a glimpse of what is to come. He is defining our reality. And I want you to take this, this, this concept of the microscope, which allows us to be able to have a magnified look on the inside but then the telescope that gives us a distance view of something that already exists but is out there, but it brings it into your view now that you cannot see with the naked eye. You can only see about 6,200 stars with the naked eye. After that, you need a telescope. And there are some things that you need a telescopic view a distance, that's why you have to have a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. You're looking down the road to define this. I've been asked so many times, Bishop Bronner, what in the world would you say to your younger self? But my younger self, I don't have anything to say to that dude. <laughs> I can't change my younger self. My question is what does my older self have to say to who I am right now? I'm 60 years old, so I'm interested in knowing what does my 75-year-old self have to say to me today, that's what can help me grow. I can't help my 25-year-old self to grow now. So I want to know what would me 15 years down the road have to say to me today. That's the question that I ask. It helps you to define your reality. It helps you to define your reality. If Jesus asked somebody the question, wilt thou be made whole? He says, listen, define for me your reality. Uh, you remember when the Lord gave Solomon a blank check? He said, whatever you ask for. I mean, a blank check, define your reality. He had an opportunity. And thank God, he asked for the right thing that could unlock everything else that he could have ever wanted. 
It's amazing. So the first thing is that you cannot achieve what you've not defined. And my question to you is what is it that you need to bring greater definition to in your life so that you can recognize it and other folks on your team can recognize? Here's number two. He who does not look ahead remains behind. She who does not look ahead remains behind. You will move in the direction in which you look. And you have to learn how to look ahead. It was David Blair, the second officer on the, on the Titanic, back in April of 1912 when it left Southampton. And when it set sail out there, uh, at the last minute, David Blair, that officer there, was actually kicked off of the ship for some unknown reason. And when he exited the ship, he didn't realize until he was off the ship and the ship had already pulled out that he had something in his pocket that, the, that his replacement, a man by the name of Charles Lightoller, was supposed to have. It was a key that was in his pocket. And it was a key to the locker in the crow's nest of the only pair of binoculars that was on the ship. This incredible ocean liner in the pre-sonar days of 1912, they, it, they, had, they didn't have that technology, so they had to use binoculars to be able to see any dangers that might be lurking in the icy waters. David Blair had the key, and he wasn't on the ship. And he forgot to give it to his replacement, Charles Lightoller. And so had they had the key to open up the locker and unlock the only pair of binoculars on the ship, they would have seen the danger of the iceberg lurking in the water and could have seen it in advance so that they could have turned to have avoided it. And my question to you is, who holds the key? to the binoculars that gives you the telescopic, the long distance view. Tele means distant, scopus to look from a distance. So who is it that has the long distance view, holds the key to the telescope, the binoculars that give you the ability to see the dangers that are ahead? It is true that the farther behind that you look, the farther ahead that you're likely to see. But if you're going to move an organization forward, a ministry forward, uh, an institution forward, you have to be able to have a vision of the future as to where you're going. Because if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. And so it is interesting that he or she who does not look ahead remains behind. One of the wise sayings of Proverbs says that a prudent man foresees danger afar off and avoids it, but the simpleton walks right on into the danger. It is prudence to be able to look ahead and see danger so that you can prepare for it and avoid it. But who holds the key in your organization to the locker to has, who has access to the binoculars or the vision, who understands the vision in the house. When Albert Einstein died, his last words were uttered in German. And the person who was attending to him didn't speak German. 
What danger is there lurking in your uh, organization when the people that serve on the team to help you don't understand the language of your heart? Albert Einstein's language was German, and he, in, in his death, he rises up and utters something in German, and those words are forever lost because the person who was in earshot of him didn't understand his heart language. And what happens if people are close to you and they don't understand the language that you're speaking to describe what you see concerning the future? Who holds that key in your organization? Because it's going to determine a lot about what you're able to see. Here's number three. Success is the feeling that you get when you live out your values. Success is the feeling that you get when you live out your values. And I hope that you value some of those things that Pastor Tate talked about. The sexual purity, this integrity that's in your heart, putting your family first, making sure that you take care of that. The integrity of, of humility in your own heart. Success is the feeling that you get when you live out your values. What do you value? What do you value? May I say this? God never designed for success to be a satisfier. I know people who have success by the standards of the world who have committed suicide. It's amazing. They have the world's standard of success and yet there's an emptiness on the inside. And I believe it is because God never, ever designed success to satisfy us. It's not designed as a satisfier. Success builds a platform and gives us a certain amount of influence so that we can now use that. A stage is for performance, but a platform is for influence. And you use now the platform of the influence that has been built by success because it brings credibility to your life so that now you're able to leverage your influence to help others. Success is never the goal. It's always significance. Success is adding value to yourself. Significance is adding value to others. And we're called as, 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 a, as a part of something that is beyond success the greatest thing that brings fulfillment to your life is when you know that you've helped other people to be better. When you've introduced them to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I mean, that's the thing that begins to bless you is when you have added incredible value to someone else. So success, it is the feeling that you get when you live out your values and do what God called you to do. Wouldn't it be a sad thing to climb the ladder of success only to discover at the end of your life that it was leaning against the wrong building. What a disappointment that is. They were the words of Anne Frank that said the reason that there are more flowers in the cemetery than there are on a person's office desk is because regret is stronger than gratitude. And that's why we ought to take it in our own hearts to say, I'm going to live that life of gratitude. That's going to be an attitude of my life every day, every day. 
I, I thank God. I, I, I keep lists of just a gratitude journal. It, it, uh, for some reason, grateful people are the happiest people on the planet. And grateful people are often given, giving people. It's, it's, they, they sort of go hand in hand. But they are part of the, the, the values that actually bring our success and really make us significant in the lives of others. Here's number four. One minute of thinking is more value than an hour of unplanned work. Just one minute of, of, of thinking. It is more valuable than an hour of unplanned work where you're shooting in the dark. Take the time to plan. Things fail for the lack of a plan. Just think, think through it. Sometimes all you need is just one idea from God. If you're thinking, if God can anoint your mind and give you a divine idea, just one idea, just one idea, it'll shift the whole trajectory of your life. In a moment of time, God can just shift something in one moment of time. Here's another little nugget that I'll give you. Number five, talent is a gift, but character is a choice. Talent is a gift, but character is a choice. Your choices determine your character, your conduct, and your destiny. Your choices, every, every time that you make a decision, it, de it determines character, conduct, and ultimately destiny. Your life today is a result of the decisions that you've made. I've told you before, the word decision comes from a Latin word, decidere. Uh, when you break it up, de means off. Cis means to cut. Sean means the state of. Every time you make a decision, you're cutting off other options. Because you see, 39 years ago, I made a commitment to one woman. The only reason that I haven't known other women is because of the power of a decision. And so I cut off every other opportunity because of a decision. Snip, snip. D off says to cut. Decision, the state of cutting off. Incision, the state of cutting in. Excision, the state of cutting out, you excise cancer. Circumcision, the state of cutting around. But when something needs to be cut off, lopped off in your life, you need the power of a decision. Nothing will change until you make a decision to change. But your decisions determine your character, your conduct, and your destiny. What do you need to cut off? Oftentimes, Rising up and becoming more than you are is cutting off something that you enjoy now because growth never, ever happens in the comfort zone. So it means that you have to cut off a comfort, a luxury. You got to turn your plate down sometimes and go on a fast. I mean, you're going to have to cut off from hanging with people that, that are not fixed on going where you're trying to go. But there's something in somebody oftentimes that you have to snip, snip. You have to cut off. Because talent is a gift, but character is a choice. It's the decision, and you have to cut something off. Number six, trust is the key to sustainable success. Trust, trust, trust. Trust turns a group into a team. Now, if you just got a, a, you know, a group of people in a room, you don't have anything if they don't trust each other. What gives you the power to build and to go? 
That's what folks who are in, in the military, when you go into battle, you go into battle with people that you trust. Then, man, you, you know, you got my back. He's got to turn to his friend and say, hey, man, you got my back. They have to trust each other. And if trust is not present with a group, you just have a, you're, just, you're just a gang hanging out. But trust turns a group into a team. Trust. Trust turns a group into a team. And this is what I would say to you. Uh, number seven, just try something new. Try something new. Just, just try something new. I mean, if you're going to do something, you, 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 sometimes you need a crazy idea to try something new, and you've got to have a willingness to fail. You really do. And then you have to have limited resources. Limited resources, because if you've got too much, you're not going to take a risk. You've got to be willing to go for broke to sometimes obey what God is calling you to do. And I'm just here to remind you of this, that all of our ultimate success and victory that God ever gives us in life, in ministry, and whatever he calls us to do, will have built into it this thing called the God factor, where God must be written into the script of what we are doing. We have to reach our Red Sea, some type of an impasse, Something that is a challenge that is beyond our pay grade and beyond the capacities of the staff and the funding of the endowment. And we have to believe God. It is the God factor. It could be a health challenge. It could be a financial challenge. It could be a relationship challenge. It could be a vision challenge, a concept. It, it could be something happening with the economy. It could be a, 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 a pandemic. But the God factor... And that which was meant for evil, when you got the God factor, it will shift it and turn it around and be used for your glory. And sometimes when we're in the process of that, we start really feeling just like a worm. But if you got to be a worm, I'd encourage you to be a caterpillar. Because what the caterpillar does is that the caterpillar takes what comes out of its mouth and creates the next environment in which its metamorphosis will take place. If your life is going to shift, one of the fastest ways to ever shift your life is to come into contact with the proper relationships. God, if he's going to do something in your life, he does it by ship. He really does. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. It's a membership. It's a stewardship. But it's something about a ship. It's a relationship. Elisha's life changed when Elijah stepped into his world. Timothy's life changed when Paul stepped into his world. Paul was already, you know, Timothy was already a Christian. When Paul met him, he, he says, listen, he, he says, Timothy, he says, I know the, the faith that's in your mother Lois and in your grandmother Eunice, and I perceive that it's already in you. So Paul didn't get Timothy saved. But it was Paul who unlocked something that neither his grandmother Eunice nor his mother Lois could unlock. And he said, now, stir up the gift of God that has been given to you by the laying on of my hands in the hands of the presbytery. 
stir this thing up now. And it, it stirred up something. It ignited something and released a power in his life. Because whenever God gets ready to shift your life, God will introduce a new relationship. Somebody who is on a different level than where you already are. If God is going to shift you, he's going to bring somebody into your world. When he brought David as a little country boy who was backward, that didn't know the protocol nor the etiquette of the palace, guess what he did? God brought a friend called Jonathan. He was a king's kid already. He knew the protocol of the kingdom. He understood how you walked when you were in the palace and which utensil that you ate with and whether you wait for somebody to be seated and for everybody to be served before you start eating. And now, because David was a country boy, a man of the fields, uncouth, uneducated, but God brought him somebody that had the finesse and who knew all of the stuff. And you sometimes just sit there and watch because he's got a relationship that he has brought you into to be able to teach you how to walk in places that God has ordained for you to rule in the future. And so Jonathan was his glimpse of where God was going to take him and how he would need to conduct himself because you have to uh, not only just retool yourself, that's a part of having the proper mindset. A proper mindset will allow you to develop a new skill set. But most of the time, that skill set comes from another person. And what that does is that it shortens your learning curve. That's what an expert is. It comes from the Latin word experiri. Ex, es, experiri. Ex means out of. Experiri is, is experience that is proven, tested, and tried. So when you get something that is coming out of experience that is tested and proven and tried. It shortens your learning curve so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel for yourself. Sometimes it's not the money that you need. It's not about what you know. It's really about who you know. You don't get to heaven because of what you know. It's because of who you know. Jesus said, I am the door. It, you come to these places by access of somebody that has opened the door for you and taught you the ropes. How beautiful it was to see Pastor Tate acknowledging these folks that have impacted his life and he had their pictures there. It lets us know that you don't do this alone. That you're standing on the shoulders of giants. That there's been somebody else that has come before us that has taught us some things that helped to shorten our learning curve. But then it allowed us to be able to drink from his fountain. From things that he's filled his cup with because that shifted his life to another level. So he's not the same as the 10-year-old kid that grew up not knowing who his daddy was. Because God brought other fathers into his life. And their voices then brought maturity to him and perspective. And when the Bible talks about our being seated with Christ in heavenly places, it is not so that it puffs up our ego. It is for perspective to give us a divine heavenly mindset and that you view things from a position of heaven. And one of the world, one of the reasons that people, even in, in, in the churches that you attend and the churches that you pastor, are so carnal and so secular is because they look at too many things that come off of the internet. Too much programming. And every time that you watch a series on Netflix, you are watching somebody else's worldview who's not a Christian at all. And the next thing you know, 
the attitudes in the church have been shaped not by the Bible, but by somebody from Hollywood who had a creative but perverted gift because it was not submitted to the power of the Holy Spirit. Anybody know? And then our children now have attitudes and you wonder where did they get that from? I didn't raise them like this. And now they are exposed but confused in their own identity. God is not confused. It's so interesting, but when God's going to shift you, he'll bring a voice that they respect. He'll bring somebody that's in their world because you see, when they get deaf to your ear, you got to pray for God to touch somebody who is in their circle of influence because just one person coming into their life can take a recalcitrant Peter and touch him one day and said, follow me, boy. Peter was a cusser. He was contumacious, uncouth. He, he, he was, he was hot-tempered. But Jesus saw that this fire could be tempered and it could be used for the glory of God. And he, he took something out of a cussing Peter. And, uh, and it was Peter that stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached and 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom of God. It was Peter and John, the Bible says, ignorant and unlearned men, but they knew that they had been with God. They knew they'd been with Jesus and because of who they were with, it transformed who they were. Something can happen by just who you walk with. I am who I am today, but because of the men and the women that have walked alongside of me and that have walked before me and they've given something to me that I didn't develop on my own. I didn't find it. I just walked with somebody who had it. And sometimes as God is shifting you, it's not about what you can do. You can't multiply until you are two. And that's why Jesus always sent them out by two. It's always Peter and John, Paul and Silas, Paul and Barnabas. Because while some devil is coming after you, while you've got your focus on this thing, focus creates blindness. And whenever you're focused on something, you're blind to some demonic agenda. That's why you've got to have intercessors around you on your team. That's why you've got to have a spouse that loves you and that believes in you, where they can cover you in the name of Jesus when you are focused in on this particular area but they see something over here that's seething and demonic and serpentine and they can say hey 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 listen while you're out there check with our daughter here check with our son here they can identify and say listen you're gonna bruise its head come on Adam bruise his head because he had a discerner beside him women are discerners and they can show him where the devil is they say Adam handle this It's by relationship. It happens by relationship. What happens in a relationship is what I call impartation. Impartation. Impart. Impart. It, it, it actually, notice when you take the word impart, it's I'm part. An impartation says now I'm part of you because I've just imparted what I've got in me. Now it comes in you. I'm part. That's impartation impartation. It, it, it is the Greek word metadidomy. Metadidomy. Meta, change. Didomy, to give. Whenever you really get an impartation, it gives you change. If you get an impartation and your life is still the same, you didn't get an impartation. You got a sensation. Not an impartation. 
impartation by its definition means that it gives change. It takes you beyond what you could do in your own strength. And so that's why you got to just find the partner. Lord, who is it? Who is it? Because I need to become exponential and I cannot do that as a solo act. You got to find the one that God has ordained to walk with you on this journey and to help make you more than you were before. It happens by relationship. The whole kingdom of God operates by relationship and impartation. Who's in your inner circle? Because when you get with somebody on another level, your life will begin to gravitate toward where they are. But if you're left to yourself, you'll decay. The other thing that I'll leave you with is this. Is that you have to have a revelation from God. Revelation is how you think. It's how you see. It's how you hear. It's how you understand. And it is how you discern. When God gets ready to shift your life, he'll give you a, a revelation on another level. You can't be what you've not seen. A revelation is an unveiling that God begins to show you what's on the next level for you. And most of us get discouraged when we look at the microscope and see all of the minutiae. That's what makes marriages irritable is looking through the microscope. She did this. He did that. He said this. He didn't do that. He never does. He all, she always. You're looking in the microscope too much. Pull your telescope out. Get a revelation of another picture. We may not be there yet, but it's, it's there. I've already seen it. I've looked through. In the, who am I talking to in this place? I have already looked through this thing, and I have seen this. We had one woman. She was a lady pastor, and her son was living away from God. And she comes. Her heart is broken. She's frustrated. And my God, when you got a Holy Ghost-filled woman that gets angry, you better watch out. Because she grabbed the horns of the, oil, of the altar, and she began to look up toward God and said, God, this is not the son that you promised me. God, this is not the son that you promised me. God, now you handle it. And he did. And I watched God save him and deliver him because she got a revelation that this is not my battle. Lord, you handle it. He was a grown man. Lord, you handle it. And you turn it over to Jesus. After you've done what he told you to do, you get the revelation that he has called all things finished from the beginning. Like I'm finished. God bless you. I love you. We hope you found this message a blessing to your life. More Columbia International University Chapel messages are available at iTunes and at podcast.ciu.edu. Learn more about CIU's undergraduate, seminary, and graduate programs at our website, ciu.edu. 
Columbia International University educates people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Thank you for the opportunity to minister to you today.